You guys have an incredible community here in Orange County. And uh, my wife and I have been around for a little bit. We were baptized in 1994, so this will be our 30th year as Christians. And yeah, it, it, yeah we made it. Uh, we were baptized in the campus ministry at Cal State University, Los Angeles. Go Golden Eagles. We have three kids. They're all adults now. Uh, Nicholas, who is 25. He's going to be 26. Uh, Nathan, you guys, a lot of you may know, uh, Nathan Arguello, a uh, great kid. And then we have Ashley, who is 18, uh, amazing uh, young lady. God has really blessed us in incredible ways, uh, not just with, uh, you know, our kids, uh, but the community that we have here in Christ, uh, not just in Orange County, but throughout the L.A. Church. We've been in the Inland Empire ministry for 12 years now. We were previously in Chattanooga, Tennessee, leading the church there. And before that, we were in Lifeway when it was called the Central Region. We were over there with Raphael, uh, with Reese and Marty. And uh, it, it was an incredible time, uh, just learning a lot uh, from a lot of different brothers and sisters. And, uh, you know, Kristen and I met when we were 16 years old. We're only 25 now. But we met when we were 16 years old. So we've spent the majority of our life together, and it has been just a joy to be in a journey with her. Amen. To build the friendship that we have built throughout the years. Uh, Raphael and I have been dear friends, best friends for, what, about 25 years, Raphael? A long time. <laughs> he, is, he is a lot younger. Maybe a couple days. But as the MLC was invited out to Orange County, you know, our purpose is to be able to help get the region to a healthier place. And as we came and started interacting with the staff, getting to know them, getting to know the Stevensons, uh, you know, the Halls, the Chiruses, we, we know the Lounsberries a little bit, uh, the Padillas, it, it's been a great time. And I tell you what, you guys have a great staff. Great-hearted people, disciples that are, that are humble to God. They want to do what's right. And just like all of us, you know, there, there needs to be some growth in their life, just as there needs to be in mine. Uh, we all need help, right? Every single one of us needs help. And so we're here to be able to help the region get to a healthier place. And the relationships that we share, though they are so very, very special... There are times where relationships are challenging, right? Being a disciple is challenging. Just being a human being sometimes is challenging. The last four or five years have been a struggle. And so the title of my message this morning is, The Struggle is Real! Man, we have been through it. And so this morning, I want to encourage you to keep going and not quit. To go to Jesus with your struggles. To know that though we're not perfect and we falter, God loves us and He's still working on us. I want to encourage you to love each other deeply as a community. 
We need one another. This is our family. One thing that you may not know about me is that I love tacos. My favorite place to go is King Taco. I just love it. And God has been faithful to me my whole life. God's incredible. Have you ever had God answer a prayer? Like in, you know, maybe instant as you're praying, the prayer is answered? Sometimes within half an hour. I know there's prayers that you pray for years. And they just don't happen sometimes. You're like, man, when is this going to happen? But I feel like highly favored by God. I've been getting a little chubby. But I went to King Taco, regardless, even though I needed to lose some weight. And I prayed. I said, God, if it is your will that I have tacos... May you open up a parking spot right in the front. And that place is always crowded. And God is so faithful to me. Only about after half an hour of circling the parking lot, bam, right there in front. I got my tacos. You know, we have an incredible ministry in the Korean ministry, and I want to acknowledge the Korean ministry. Uh, give, the, give the Korean ministry a hand. <laughs> Worshiping, you know, in, in a tongue that's not your native tongue is difficult. And so I appreciate you guys being here, uh, joyful, happy, worshiping, giving. Uh, I also want to acknowledge the Spanish-speaking ministry. <laughs> Los queremos son increíbles. Hermanos, hermanas, apreciamos tu corazón. We appreciate your heart to be unified. You guys are awesome. I also want to acknowledge a group that maybe some of you don't know very well yet, uh, but they're incredible people and they serve you, and I want to have them stand up. If we could acknowledge the shepherds within the Orange County ministry, if we could have you guys stand up. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for serving. And as I said, we need one another because we go through struggles. The struggles of life are real. We are all going through something right now. And we should want to handle whatever situation in life comes our way in a spiritual fashion, as Jesus would have us deal with those things. But sometimes it's difficult because we're going through our own battles and then other things come our way and it's hard. You know, how do we respond to life struggles? Next slide. How are you dealing with challenges in your life? How are you dealing with challenges in the church? Perhaps things that you're facing personally or as a congregation. Are you sad? Are you angry? Are you bitter? Are you discouraged? Maybe you're feeling lonely, scared, embarrassed, ashamed. Maybe you're hiding out or checked out a little bit. Some people choose to focus on things that are not of God to distract themselves. Maybe you've acted out in sin and you feel stuck. And what do you do and where do you go? Maybe you get frustrated 
with brothers and sisters, with those outside the church. I know one of the things I struggle with. Next slide here. You guys remember this? Home of the Big Bun. The, the Wendy's commercial from the 80s. And these three little old ladies go to a restaurant, a burger joint, and they order a big burger. And they take off the bun, and there's only a little piece of meat. And the little lady there to the right, she yells out, where's the beef? She had a beef with the burger place that didn't put enough beef in her burger. Recently, I went to Stater Brothers, to the meat market area, to the, to the butcher shop there. And I got some meat, I took it home, and within two days, the meat smelled really bad. And I took it back. Stater Brothers is really good. And I took it back, and I said, hey, I'd like to exchange this, but instead of meat, I'd like some chicken. And the guy had a really bad attitude. And he gave me two pieces of chicken, and he said, there you go. I said, but that's not, I'm a deal guy, you know, I want to get a deal. I said, that's not an equal trade. What's going on? He said, that's all you get. And I hadn't shaved that day. And so I thought, man, I wonder if he thinks that, you know, I'm just trying to pull one over on him and, uh, you know, I have, I have issues with alcohol or with drugs or whatever. I'm just trying to get some free food. And I have been reading a book that has helped me to not have a judgmental heart towards people. Because everybody's going through something. The struggle is real. Hurt people hurt people. You guys have heard that. And I step back from myself because I'm Latino and I could be fiery. And I said, okay, hopefully I could give this man a glimpse of God's love and patience and grace in my interaction with him. And it was not easy. But I was able to get through the interaction in a loving way, in a patient way. And then I went online and I said, hey, I had a bad interaction. And, you know, but the guy, you know, the guy was great. I think he was just having a bad day. And I get a call from the manager. He said, come on in. We got some gift certificates for you. I said, I'll be right there. So I was able to step back at that moment. And now that was a huge victory for me because that doesn't always happen. And I was like, man. You know, I was able to have grace, and God blessed that. There's interactions that we've all had at one time or another that have not gone great. And we can fly off the handle with each other or kind of shut each other out. We could be disrespectful or not kind. We all carry with us all sorts of different wounds. And certain situations or certain people can trigger things in us. Anxiety, anger, fear. And it could bring out an external reaction. We all need help. But what do we do? Where do we go? How do we handle things? We all need to go to Jesus. 
In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, it says, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, Jesus had been teaching his disciples that were going along with him, and along the way, he ran into some Pharisees and some people that more than anything were causing trouble for him, that were judgmental, that were troublesome. And you got to believe that the disciples felt so much from all the negativity that they received that was around them, from all the troubles of their life being Christians, trying to follow a perfect master, a perfect Lord. And in their struggles, I'm sure that they felt like, man, we fall really short. And, and they're stressed, and they're trying to be righteous, and they're trying to do the right thing. And Jesus says, you don't have to handle all of that by yourself. Come to me. I know you're weary and burdened, and I want to give you rest. The struggle is real. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. See, Jesus wants us to learn not only from his words, but from his example. He says, because I'm gentle and humble in heart. And I want to give rest to your souls. You're always going to have burdens. As a Christian, as a very young Christian, I felt like now that I'm a Christian, I'm not going to have struggles. Jesus is going to take them all away. Did you guys have that misconception? I sure did. But he says, he doesn't say that you're not going to have any burdens. But that if you hold on to him, he's going to give you rest and your burden is going to be light. But you will still have a burden. But if you find rest in Jesus, if you go to him and you learn from him and you put his words and example into practice in your life, your burdens will be a lot lighter. You're going to face those troubles. You're going to face issues but you will be able to find rest in Him. You'll be able to handle whatever situation you face in a spiritual fashion. It's when I'm not drawing near to Jesus in prayer, in the Word, with brothers and sisters that help me, that guide me, that point me to Him, that's when I respond based on past hurts, based on those scars, based on all those issues that I wrestled with in the past. You see, the burger lady's friends, they were there with her, right. right? At the home of the big bun. And they were not helping her find peace and draw nearer to Jesus. But they said, that's right, where's the beef? Right? They were, they were even finding beef. They were having beef with the place. They helped her to complain. 
instead of helping calm her spirit. They actually egged her on. Jesus wants to bring peace to us. We as God's people, as Jesus' people, as we listen to one another in empathy, we need to help each other go to Jesus and not egg each other on to get more fired up about stuff. But to say, how could I focus on God? I'm burdened, but my burden is lighter because I have brothers and sisters that point me to Jesus. You know, we have leaders, we have shepherds, we have people that want to help me find peace in God. Point number two here. We're under construction. God is at work in our lives. We live in an area of Riverside, and there's a big main street that runs across it. It's called Van Buren. You guys may know of this street. We've lived there 12 years. And for all of the 12 years we've been there, it's been under construction. I'm not even kidding. We visited 13 years ago, and it was under construction. And what happens is stretches of it are rebuilt, and they get better. And then they start working on another part. But it's not like they ever work on the whole street or the whole area at once. Right? And I want to get places quickly at times. And Van Buren prevents me, all the construction going on, from getting there in the amount of time that I want to get there. There's always something that needs work on Van Buren. I got to take detours if I want to get to where I want to get. It's the same with us. God works on us sections at a time. And you know how long he's going to be working on us? For the rest of our life. We're going to be under construction. God is at work. Perhaps we don't like to be in that state where God is constantly working on us because it inconveniences us. Perhaps it inconveniences people around you too. Right? I know that there's areas in my life that though I don't like them, you know, I could deal with them because it's me. But other people really don't like them. And they're like, wow, the struggle's real. We make each other struggle at times. But we're going to be in this constant state of God working in us for the rest of our life. When I came into the church, I thought nobody is ever going to sin against me here because these are God's people. And that was not the case, right? Because there's potholes all along the way here at church. God is constantly working everywhere in different little patches of ministry. So be patient. And trust that he loves you and he knows what's best for you. I want to ask you this. What area of your life is God currently working on? Know this in Romans 8, 28. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What then, verse 31, shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one that condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, and all these things were more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God loves us. And he's working in us and on us. It's easy to get freaked out when we're facing struggles. When we want to get somewhere in a hurry, but that area is under construction, whether it's in your life or somebody else's. It's like, man, I'm an obstacle to myself, or you're an obstacle to me. I just want to get there. But see, we find God, and we grow, and we mature on the journey, not the destination. It's about the journey. How well... We allow God to work on us, and we trust him through the journeys of life, through the struggles, through the trials. Remember that he loves you, and he's working all things out for your own good. Isn't that awesome? For me, what that allows me to do is just completely surrender to him and say, God, I know these areas in my life need work. I'm going to surrender to you. I know the areas in other people's lives need work, and I'm going to surrender that to you as well because I want to control. I want to control. We have three kids. Man, and it's hard to have kids. God is working. God is working on my wife and I. I'm going to put her out here too. God is working on my wife and I because our kids make decisions that we don't agree with. Right? Two of our kids are on their journey right now trying to figure things out with God. And they're adults and we want to guide them and we want to advise them and we want to tell them what to do and the last thing they want to hear is from mom and dad what they ought to do. And it takes a great deal of trust in God to say, God, you, you deal with them. You take them. Because the biggest fear for any parent that's a Christian is your kid not making it in the end. Or feeling like, are they going to want to seek God out later on? And you start doubting. Not only God and his goodness and his plan for your kids. But sometimes I start doubting. Like, man, was I too lenient? Was I too hard? 
Did I mess up my kid? And, and maybe we did. <laughs> maybe we messed up our kids in some ways, right? They, have, they carry some scars from maybe some decisions that we made or things we said. But God is at work in their life as well. God is working on them. And some of the things they do and some of the things they said or some of the decisions they make, they may be an inconvenience to me because they worry me, they trouble me. They concern me, they give me great anxiety. Just like Van Buren under construction. But I got to entrust that to God. That God is going to work on them little by little. They're different areas of their life. Because he loves them. To hopefully allow them to come back to him. And that's going to be their choice. You see, even as a church, we see people make a choice to walk away from God. And yet God is still working on them. I remember using drugs and using alcohol, you know, being inebriated, be, being high, and knowing in the back of my mind, I got to believe God's doing something in my life, that God exists. Even while I was a hot mess doing what I was doing, God had a plan for me. God was working in my life. And I don't know what's going on with you. Maybe you're struggling in some area of your life. God is working on you because he loves you. And he's working those things out for your own good. He's allowing you to go through what you're going through for your own good. Orange County region. God is allowing the region to go through what it's going through for your own good. Do you believe that? Right? We kick and scream and we get frustrated and we want things the way we want them. Trust God. Because he's working on you. And he loves you. And he loved your kids more than you love them. He loved this family more than you do. Do you believe that? If you believe that, say amen. amen. Serve it hot. About three years ago, see how much time I have left. I have seven minutes. Three years ago, I almost died from COVID. I got COVID, you know, pretty close to the beginning before the vaccines, before all the treatments. And we had to call 911 to come get me, an ambulance, my wife called. And they discovered I had a, a saddle embolism in my lungs. My heart rate was 177, couldn't breathe, took me to the hospital. They put me in the hallway because there was no place to be. The doctors were wearing all their gear, didn't want to touch me, didn't really want to come close to me. They put me in a machine and they saw the blood clot. They gave me some medicine and they said, go home. My oxygen levels were in the 80s. There was no oxygen to be found. Luckily, there was a sister that had an oxygen tank that gave it to me. One of the really cool things is that in the hallway, as I was laying there, I was thinking about all the people that I love. My wife, my kids, Raphael, my, my friends, right? The fellowship, uh, 
I was thinking about all the ways that I had offended God and sinned against God. And I asked God to forgive me. At the same time, I was angry. Like, why me? Why am I going through this? I'm gonna... I was certain I was going to die. I was sure of it. I'm never going to see my family again, my friends. I'm going to die. And I had to wrestle with God at that moment. And I came to a great place within maybe half an hour or 40 minutes because I thought I was a goner. After confessing my sin, after praying, I was singing songs in my head. I came to a place of surrender. You know, God, you have been working in my life since the beginning of time. You have blessed me. I've had an incredible life. I'm ready to go. And I was ready to go. You know, the doctor said, all right, you're ready to go home. Get out of here. (laughs) And he kicked me out. I could barely breathe. He sent me out. I was barefoot. We don't want you here. You have COVID. But as I went home to recover, I laid in bed for almost six weeks. Lost 30-some pounds. I couldn't walk. I was, you know, I got on oxygen, wheelchair. It, It was a mess. In John 9, I'll read the scripture to you. This is a bonus scripture. It says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parent, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This man was born blind. And it was easy to be able to look at him and say, who sinned there? Whose fault is this? Why did this happen? One of the brothers, after me recovering, after about six months, said to me, Sergio, have you ever thought that maybe you sinned against God and this is your fault, that you got COVID? And that was hard to hear. I said, you know, I have thought about that. (laughs) I have thought about that. That maybe God is disciplining me. But it's so easy to want to kind of figure out, okay, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Sometimes things happen so that the works and power of God might be displayed. But we want to point the finger and blame. What's the issue? What's the problem? Maybe God wants to display his incredible power in the OC region. You ever think about that? God is powerful. And He wants to heal. And He wants to give you life. And He also wants to lead us to my last point here. To love one another. While I was recovering in bed, and you know, there were many times where I felt, I'm not going to make it. There was this time where my oxygen levels got to about 81. And they, they would have, doctors would have you get in a prone position. And, you know, I would, you see my oxygen, my oxygen levels were, st- were still not going up. And there was about 30 people outside my house praying for me from our ministry. And I felt so loved. And my wife went out there to be with them. And while she went out there, I was choking and I couldn't breathe. And I thought, oh, that's it, I'm going to die. My wife's outside with 30 people praying, that's awesome. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was choking, like something was coming up. 
And I had like something like a piece of flesh come out. It, it didn't look like mucus. It looked like a piece of lung that came out. I mean, big piece of lung. And my oxygen went from 81 to 92. And from that moment on, I started getting better. Little by little. And Joe came over and prayed for me. And, and James prayed for me. He came over and prayed for me. And I had other elders pray for me. And I felt so loved. Dear friends, it says here, in, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. You, church, are a representation of God to people who are needing love. And we all need it at different times. There is no other time that we are closer to being like God when, than when we love each other. You are the image of God to other people when you love them. Does that make sense? No one has ever seen God, but they see God in you when you're loving them. That's blow away. I saw God in the people that were praying for me outside because they were loving me. I see God in Joe. I see God in James. I see God in my wife. I see God in the Stevensons. I see God in the Lounsberries. I see God in the G's. I see God in the Korean ministry. They welcomed us with open arms when we came and hung out with them. I see God in all of you. But Satan doesn't want us to see that. Some of you have been around for decades and you're still here. And you ought to be commended for that. You're still giving of your time, your heart. You haven't walked away from your spiritual family. You're still loving people. You're still giving and serving. And you are held in high regard. You're awesome. We've all taken a beating the last four years or more, yet we're still here. Now, we did lose some in the process, and it hurts, but you're still fighting. Some are still fighting to come back fully after COVID. And I want to encourage all those, if you're home, come back. If you're watching our live stream or homebound due to your failing health, we want you to know that you are loved here. This is your family. Not too long ago, some in the fellowship here were given the option to worship in house churches. And that's a bit different for us culturally than normal. And we could miss seeing those brothers and sisters on a regular basis because they are worshiping in house churches, perhaps not here altogether. And sometimes, I want to talk about loving each other, how we do that. Sometimes our reaction when brothers and sisters from house churches come to a regional service and we haven't seen them in a while, it could be like an Elvis sighting, right? Oh, look who's here. Oh my gosh, we missed you. We love you, right? And, and it could feel a little weird. It could feel a little funky. It could feel a little judgy, perhaps because of our past, because of our culture. And I tell you what, our brothers and sisters that are meeting by house churches and worshiping with us monthly when we meet regionally, 
They haven't left our church family. They're still our brothers and sisters. They're still faithful. They're still awesome, right? Amen. At the same time, if you have chosen to worship in house churches for part of the month, know that people here love you and miss you, and when they see you, they get fired up. Our son Nathan, he's in the same region as us. But when I see him, I make such a big deal. I'm like, look who's there. It's Nato. And he's like, Dad, I've been here all along. What are you talking about? But I love you and I miss you. And so sometimes things are just a matter of misunderstanding or how we communicate in love. And so I want to encourage you, if you feel weird about some of those interactions, you don't need to. You just need to know our brothers and sisters in house churches, they're worshiping, they're committed, they're here. They're here in heart if they're worshiping at house church. And, and those that get all fired up to see you, you know, brothers and sisters from house church, when you come in, they're, they're getting excited and fired up because they love you. And so let's make sure that we see our responses to each other as genuine, as loving. I know we need to be better with each other and love each other as God intended, not judge each other's motives or jump to conclusions. I know that there's even people that have chosen to not be part of the ICOC anymore and perhaps go, you know, go to separate house churches. And what should our response be to that? Not, not be judgmental, but be loving. Just love people. You know, we're, we're a great big family here. Let's love one another. Let's not judge people. I want to close out with this. Brothers and sisters, if you've lost some hope along the way, I want to let you know that brighter days are still ahead for you and for the church. God still has plans for us as individuals. God has a plan for you. And God has a plan for the Orange County region. If your children or your family members are on their journey, God has plans for them too. And we got to make this place awesome because this is their home too when they're ready to come back. Let's make this their church home. Things are going to get better. Things are going to get healthier if we love each other as Scripture calls us to. God's love for us has not changed. So we ought to keep loving one another in a great way. If you've slipped in your walk with God, if you've been lax in your time in the Bible or prayer, get back in there so you could love as God wants you to love. The struggle is real. Let's remember, we're all going to have trouble. We are all going through something. Go to Jesus. Remember that God is at work still in your lives. We're under construction, every single one of us, including the church. Be patient. And lastly, love one another so we could make this place on their journey an incredible home for every single person. Brothers and sisters, I love you a ton. Let's go ahead and close out in a word of prayer, and then we're going to have the RFAC, uh, an RFAC presentation uh, from a dear brother. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the church that you have given us 
not just in Orange County, but L.A. and throughout the whole world. We pray that you be with our brothers and sisters that are wrestling with different things. We're all going through something. The struggle is real for all of us. But Lord, that we could find comfort in our walk with Jesus. That we know, God, that you're working on every single one of us, including the church. Let us love one another deeply and be a representation of you, Lord, in everything that we do, how we treat each other, how we approach things. Thank you, Lord, for the uh, MLC service team. Thank you for the leadership here within the church, for the shepherds, for all the brothers and sisters. It's amazing to be here in Orange County. It's an honor to be able to preach to this region. We love you, Father. Be with all those hurting that need extra help, that need extra encouragement, and let us bring that to them. In Jesus' name, amen.